You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Amen. 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 It's good to be with you. It's good to see new faces I'm seeing for the first time and uh, some of you I've known for a long time. I see John Walsh there. John, you're looking well. glad to be here. I am really glad to be here because I have, you know, 16 months ago I was in Lagos, Nigeria and while I was there uh, our church pastoral team phoned me up and they said Nick things are going downhill fast with this virus you've got to get home and I remember I contacted the airline I had to sort of a series of meetings I had to shorten it I had to uh, book my flight a little bit earlier and in fact, at that time, I, had to, I was going through France, going through Paris, and France was really going downhill badly. And I was thinking, I've got to go now, or I'm not going to get home. In fact, I did something I've never done before, which was I paid for an upgrade to business class. Because that way I had a seat on my own, and nobody within two meters of me on the flight. And, uh, and that, in, that week in Nigeria was the last time that I spoke at any other church other than Solid Rock Dramedy. Because for the last 16 months, I've been totally, the only time I've spoken is to a camera or to our local church in Drogheda. And so this is my first time speaking in another church for 16 months. Can I tell you, I was driving down yesterday, I was like a five-year-old going to Disneyland. I mean, I was just so excited. So, you know, it's been a weird time and everything else. Uh, but, you know, God, God has been so good. And... Uh, We've seen God do some great things in Drogheda. We've seen many people come to the Lord. We're, we're actually, we, we had our first water baptism of the year last Sunday. Uh, we've got another one today. And we've got water baptisms lined up every Sunday for the rest of the summer. Wow. Baptizing the people who have come to Christ during wow. all the lockdowns and all. So that's exciting. Yeah. And praise God. Uh, also working with Evangelical Alliance Ireland, we've been working with the government an awful lot. We've been helping churches understand all the, the, the different regulations, and sometimes they change every week, but also working with the government. Uh, at Evangelical Alliance Ireland, we don't do grandstanding. We're not organizing petitions and calling down the government as tyranny or anything else. We talk to the government. And so we've been able to sit down with other faith leaders, archbishops, and everything as well. And for example, we, the government listens, thank God. So originally, we weren't, we weren't going to be having church again until the country reached level two, which might be Christmas. But thank God, the government listened and opened up the churches a lot sooner than other comparable gatherings. And also, when they first announced the opening of the churches, uh, they said it was with a capacity of 50 people. And I want to tell you, the Taoiseach hadn't even finished his speech yet, and I was already on the phone to the Taoiseach's office. Saying, look, when we opened before, you did this thing with different zones where bigger churches could accommodate more people. Can you please go back to the drawing board, look at this? And within 24 hours, they got back to us and said, okay, we're going to do that. You know, so we thank God that the government does listen. And it's great that we've got a seat at the table with them now to talk with them. But it doesn't always go according to plan. Let me just tell you a little story. Back in 2019, Evangelical Alliance Ireland had been going for 10 years 
We'd never yet had a meeting with the Taoiseach. And uh, we'd been asking and everything else, so they just, they, you know, who are these born again Christians? They treated us like we didn't matter. And then finally we got a meeting. And we were in Dublin Castle, and we've got all these, the, the Taoiseach half the cabinet, we've got all these archbishops and stuff there as well. And they were talking about different subjects. They were trying to redefine the relationship between church and state. And they had actually allocated different faith groups to discuss, to bring a point and lead a discussion on different subjects. And they sent emails out to everybody, but they sent mine to the wrong email address. So I didn't get the email. So I'm in this meeting in Dublin Castle, and uh, Leo Veralco was a T-shirt then, and he says, uh, okay, the first subject we're going to talk about is such and such, and uh, Nick Park from the Evangelical Alliance is going to introduce the subject to us. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And let me tell you, all my life I have had a recurring nightmare. I get it about once a month, and in this nightmare I'm back at school, and the teacher has called me to the front of the class to give a report, and I haven't done the study for it, and I'm standing with the teacher looking at me, the class looking at me, and my mind is totally blank. And I have that nightmare probably once every, and I'm 58 years old, and I've had that nightmare every month for, for the last 38 years. Today, that day it came true in Dublin Castle, but it was much, much worse. It wasn't a teacher. It was a Taoiseach, half the cabinet, and a load of archbishops. And they're all looking at me, and I'm... And immediately I remember the scripture where God says, open your mouth, and I will fill it. And I began to speak. And I literally started a sentence without knowing how the sentence was going to end. I'm just launching out, and I tell you what I feel like, you ever remember the old Rogue Runner cartoons, Wiley Coyote used to run off the cliff, and then he looks down and he's, he's on thin air? I felt like that. And I just kept speaking, and the Lord kept giving the words, and it opened up into this great discussion, and the T-shirt began talking to the different, some of the ministers, and saying, you need to go back to the local authorities and get them to, to change that situation and everything else. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And, and the reason I'm sharing that is that that was a scary moment. But sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we think we're going to fall. Now, this is not an excuse for not doing your homework, okay? But sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we think we're going to fall. And the book of Jude, the little book of Jude, at the end, it describes God as the God who is able to keep you from falling. And I want to tell you, when you feel like you're standing on thin air, God can keep you from falling. And I really believe that's a word. There's somebody here today, and this week, you are going to have an experience where you feel like you're standing in thin air and you've got to remind yourself, just repeat that scripture to yourself, my God is able to keep me from falling. And watch the words that God will give you and how he will turn things about. Amen? Amen. That's not what I'm preaching about at all. So let's get the scripture up on the screen. Today is 4th of July, which uh, loads of my friends in the United States are celebrating as Independence Day. We're celebrating it as Dependence Day because we need to be fully dependent upon Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy Amen. may be complete. Amen? Amen. Amen? A few days ago, I was talking with a young woman who was pregnant, very heavily pregnant. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you just look at you think she's about to pop. That's what she was like. And I sat talking with her, and halfway through the conversation, she suddenly goes, oh, like that. And I'm like, oh boy. And I, I jumped, and I looked under the table to see if there was a pool of water or something, so I called the midwife, you know. But uh, she said, no, it's okay, the baby just hiccuped. And I began to go on with the, I began to go on with the conversation, then I stopped and I said, you what? I said, hang on, when you hiccup, that's because air, you know, you sort of suck air into your lungs. There's no air in the womb, babies can't hiccup. She said, oh yes, they can. She said, it's not technically a hiccup, they're actually practicing breathing. I said, no, you're having me on. So anyway, whenever I, uh, whenever I got home, I Googled it, and she was totally correct. And no doubt there's plenty of mothers here who are saying, yeah, we knew that all along. You know, <laughs> everyone knows that. Listen, I have never been pregnant, okay? Now, I know they're doing all kinds of things with gender at the moment where apparently men can get pregnant now, but uh, I want to tell you, I have never been pregnant. I'm never going to be pregnant, okay? So I'll take Google's word for it. But what actually happens is the baby practices breathing. Now that led me on to think about how the unborn child breathes in the womb, because of course there's no, there's no air there, but what happens is oxygen still has to get to the developing baby. And I just find this absolutely fascinating. I actually think the way that we breathe anyway is totally miraculous. You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated, the more I learn about the human body and how we're wonderfully made and put together, the more I want to praise God. Yeah. And the more I'm convinced that we are so wonderfully made that there's no way this could all have just happened. There's no way this somehow gradually evolved by chance. Yeah. I mean, it's so amazing how it all fits together because when we breathe, and most of you know this because you did biology at school, but when we breathe, the, the air goes into our lungs, and our lungs take the oxygen out of the air and put it in our bloodstream, and the blood carries around the body, giving oxygen everywhere it's needed, and picks up carbon dioxide, which you've got to get rid of as it's going around, and then it comes back to the lungs and pumps the carbon dioxide back into the lungs and you breathe it out. Isn't that incredible? Yes. But, but what about an unborn baby? How does it work? Because the mother's blood doesn't reach the unborn baby. You know, they've got separate Blood, blood circulation systems. So what happens if the mother breathes in and her, the mother's lungs take the oxygen out of the air into her blood, carry it to the placenta, and the placenta transfers the oxygen into the baby's bloodstream. And then the unborn baby benefits from the oxygen, and the unborn baby's blood picks up the waste carbon dioxide, puts it back to a different channel in the placenta, back into the mother's blood, back to the mother's lungs, and the mother breathes out the waste carbon dioxide that she has created, and that has come from her unborn child as well. Isn't that just amazing? Yes. What an incredible God we serve. Creation's great. But, but here's the thing. Then, when the baby is born, of course, this changes, but 
Sometimes people have these water births. You know, the baby's born underwater. Now, I, I, I get worried every time I hear that. I think they're going to drown the baby, you know. <laughs> but the baby doesn't take a breath. The baby's born underwater, and the baby doesn't take a breath as long as the water is a similar temperature to inside the womb, about 37 degrees. And the baby is born, it's outside the mother's body now, but still linked through the umbilical cord, and the baby is still receiving its oxygen from the placenta, even though it's underwater. Is that brilliant? Yeah. And then they lift the baby out above the water, and as soon as the temperature change happens, and the baby's face goes above the surface of the water, the baby goes, <gasps> and now the baby is receiving oxygen in a totally different way from how it received it in the previous nine months. And from the moment baby takes its first breath, whether it's that underwater birth or a more conventional birth, from the moment baby takes her first breath, baby is totally dependent upon air. Cannot live without it. Can never go back to the way it was before. That's why Nicodemus said to Jesus, when Jesus said a man needs to be born again to see the kingdom of God, and Nicodemus said, can a, can a child go back into its mother's womb? Because of course if the child did, it would suffocate. Because the child can't go back to the old way of getting oxygen. The child takes one breath and the child is now dependent upon air for the rest of its life. But that dependency brings freedom. Because when the child takes that first breath and becomes dependent upon air, if the child did not take that breath, the child could never walk, could never run, could never dance, could never ride a bike, could never meet somebody else, could never get married, could never have a baby itself. For all of these things, to have the freedom to do all of these things, the baby has to become totally dependent upon taking those breaths of air. And that's what happened with every single one of us in this room. And the amazing truth is this, that when we are born again, the exact same thing happens with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the Holy Spirit's working on our behalf before we're born, just the same way as the baby's getting oxygen through a different way, even in the womb. Before we are born again, the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit keeps us alive. Yeah. You know, you're only a heartbeat away from eternity. Yeah. You know, I watched in the football a couple of weeks back when Christian Eriksen collapsed during that Denmark match. And I'm thinking there's a young man in the peak of physical condition, and yet his breathing can stop just like that. And, and the Holy Spirit sustains us, whether we're born again or not. The Holy Spirit restrains us from evil. The Holy Spirit leads us to a place where we are confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this prevenient grace. It's the grace of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives even before we know Jesus. But once we receive Jesus as our Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes within. And it is the spiritual equivalent of the baby going, oh. we receive that first intake of the Holy Spirit. And now we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And that's why I want to celebrate Dependence Day. Not being independent, you know, the, the worst thing that a Christian can make, <clears throat> the worst theme song that a Christian can have is, I did it my way. <laughs> God does not want us to do it our way. Amen. He wants us to do it His way. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we receive 
the Holy Spirit, and just like a child is now dependent upon air to get its oxygen, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit for our life. And you know that in the Bible, the same Greek word for air and breath and for the Holy Spirit is the same word, pneuma. It's P-N-E-U-M-A, but you don't pronounce the P. So it's pneuma. And, and that comes into English. You know, if you have a problem with your lungs and you can't breathe, you've got pneumonia. If you're using a drill that's powered by air, it's a pneumatic drill. If you study the Holy Spirit in Bible school, it's called pneumatology. The same word. Now, here's the thing. This is a little Greek lesson for you. In Greek, if you put a, a vowel in front of the P, you pronounce the P. So pneuma, which is the noun for spirit, when it's the verb to breathe, becomes apneo. And that gives us another English word. You ever hear of sleep apnea? Yeah. It's, the same, it's taken from the same word for the word for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Yeah. But sleep apnea is when people stop breathing involuntarily. And it can be dangerous. And it can kill you. You see, here's the truth. In the physical realm, when a baby takes that first breath, in the normal run of things, there's a whole support team with that baby, helping that baby continue breathing. If there's a problem with the breathing, there's a midwife, a doctor, or clear out the, the airways and keep the baby breathing. Maybe even they put the baby in an incubator, put an oxygen mask on. There's a support team to keep babies breathing and children breathing. Well, we need a support team to keep us breathing the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's called the church. Amen. And that's what this is all about. That's why what we're doing here is so important. Because the church is our support network to keep us connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're here for, to encourage one another to keep connected with the Holy Spirit of God. But we also have an enemy who wants to choke us. Who wants to stop us from breathing the clean, fresh air of the Holy Spirit. And that enemy, of course, is Satan. And he wants to bring upon us a spiritual apnea. He wants to bring us to a place where we will no longer draw a breath. Now, let me just say this. If some people start getting a bit scared when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, wonderful thing to remember, or when we start talking about Satan, a wonderful thing to remember is this, that whatever Satan tries to come against you in your life, he's already lost his greatest battle Amen. if you are born again. Because the number one purpose that Satan had for your life was to stop you receiving Jesus. So if you have received Jesus, Satan has lost the biggest battle you will ever fight against him. Yeah. Is that good news? Yes. But he wants to bring upon you a spiritual apnea. He wants to bring you to a point where you will be erratic in your breathing and in your uh, inhalation of the Spirit of God. God needs us to be totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So I want very quickly to give you a few pointers. We're going to go back to the scripture we were looking at. You know, Jesus here is talking about that dependency. Jesus is on the vine, you are the branches. You've got to remain in me. And uh, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. So we're absolutely dependent on him. Let's look at the next screen. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. If you want to be totally dependent on the Holy Spirit and you need to be to live this Christian life, then his words need to remain in you. You know, that doesn't just mean we listen to preaching of the word 
Now, listen, I'm a preacher. I believe in preaching of the word. But just listening to somebody preaching the word is not enough. We've got to read the word. I thank God that so many of our worship choruses sing the word of God. Do you ever notice you're reading through the Psalms and you keep seeing lines of songs in it? <laughs> and, and not only that, we've got to memorize the word of God. You know, the Bible says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because when his word remains in you, it keeps you grounded, it keeps you connected to the Holy Spirit. Because the, the Holy Spirit inspired the word that you are now storing in your heart. That word is a connection that keeps you dependent on the Holy Spirit. That incident I shared with you earlier when I had Leo Baraka and half his cabinet looking at me expectantly and I'm in a blind panic. Thank God I was able to immediately call upon a scripture. Because his word remains in me. Now imagine if, if, imagine if I had not memorized that scripture. Imagine if he's saying, now Nick Park from Evangelical Alliance is going to present this. And I'm saying, hang on a minute, I'm just going to get the Bible out. I'm sure there's a verse somewhere that deals with this situation. That would not have cut it. I needed his word to remain in me. I, was, I, I can't stress enough, memorize God's word, store it within your heart so you can call upon that word when you need it. And, and he says then, sorry, just back to, to where we were. He says then, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I want to tell you, we need to pray like never before. A healthy prayer life keeps us grounded in and connected with the Holy Spirit. You know, we learned this in a wonderful way in drama in the last 16 months. On St. Patrick's Day last year, we were just aware of it. Seemed, it was, I don't know if any of you think, remember back that far, but it just seemed the strangest St. Patrick's Day ever. And there was no parades and there was nobody out on the streets. We were all on lockdown and everything else. And as a church in Drada, we decided we were going to pray all through St. Patrick's Day, midnight to midnight. Mm -hmm. So we set up an online prayer and we, we said we need 24 people that will pray for one hour. We got to the 24. We said, great, we've never done this before. This is exciting. And we prayed for St. Patrick's Day. And then people are saying, can we do this again tomorrow? So I said, okay, so we kept it going. Can I tell you, we haven't stopped. Wow. 16 months later, we've been praying as a church non-stop every moment of every day yeah. in one-hour shifts. And we're still going now. Amen. You know, my, my wife is covering at 3 o'clock this morning. She, we, were in a hotel, we were staying in a hotel down in McCroom. She set her alarm, she got up at 3 o'clock, she was on the 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock shift, she prayed for an hour, then handed off to another lady who was getting up in Drogheda to pray from 4 till 5. We've learned to pray like never before. Can I tell you something? The more we've prayed, the more we've seen the Holy Spirit moving. Yeah. Yes. Because prayer keeps us dependent on Amen. the Holy Spirit. Because we realize how much we need Him. And then it says that this is for my, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. To win fruit. To lead others to him. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. You can't do evangelism or witnessing and be carnal about it. You can't say, oh, it's just I need to learn this evangelistic technique. Or that this worked for that church in America, so we'll do it here. No, you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. And when you rely on the Holy Spirit for, for witnessing and bearing fruit, God opens doors that would never otherwise have opened. Like when the Apostle Paul was in Lystra. And it says he looked at a man and saw that he had faith to be healed. I don't know if you've ever thought about that scripture. How can you see that somebody's got faith? 
You know, when you look, I mean, I look at you now, and you all look really, really holy people. I mean, you're like the most spiritual people I've ever seen. You know, but I'm sure you're not. I'm sure some of you are thinking, gosh, is he never going to shut up? You know? Sometimes we're fooled by the outward appearance. But I can't tell you this. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. So how can you see somebody's got faith to be healed? By seeing how God sees, not how man sees. And the only way that can happen is by the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It's called the discernment of spirits. Where the Holy Spirit enables you by a supernatural gift to look at somebody and you see what's going on in their heart. And Paul looked at this man and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he healed that person. And uh, oh, all kinds of things began to happen after that. You see, if we really want to bear fruit, we've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's go on to the next. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I remain in my love. We've got to remain in his love. You see, God is love. And if we're going to be connected to him, we will love will be a hallmark of what we do. I get worried when I look and I see some Christians and they're angry all the time. They're always giving out about something. You know, I, I was the other night, Janice and I were sat there and we were just like scrolling down through Facebook and I said, you know what, I've seen a lot of Christian posts and I, I was okay when I started and now I'm depressed. <laughs> because they were angry at the government, they were angry at this church, they were angry at the president of a country they've never been to across the Atlantic, they were angry at everything. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be Mr. Angry. I, I want people to see love. Because that's what my father is like. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't things that we shouldn't get, get upset us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have principles that we shouldn't speak out. But what I am saying is this, that love, not anger, should be the hallmark of who we are. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And that shows that we're connected to the Holy Spirit. Because uh, from that, look at this next bit. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remained in his love. Now some, sometimes we get a bit uncomfortable when we talk about keeping commands. Because we say, hang on, that was a Jewish thing. They had all these commandments. We're Christians. We live by grace. It's all by faith. Well, salvation is. Yes. But you know, once you come to Christ, you've still got to obey his commands. Jesus said, obey my commands. Can I tell you, sometimes the commands of Jesus are more difficult to obey than the commands of Paul in the epistles. Like Paul, Paul agrees with me on a lot of stuff. You know, I'm quite happy going along with Paul's commands. Yeah, Paul's, Paul, I felt that. I would agree. I would have commanded that if I was you. And then I look at the Gospels, and Jesus says, like, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, what? That's not my thing, Lord. I would rather hit them back twice as hard. You know? But I've got to obey his commands. Why? Because he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. The obedience to the commands of Jesus is the soil in which love grows. And we've got to obey his commands. Amen? Amen? And then it wraps up in verse 11. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Jesus was supremely joyful. I mean, he got invited to all the best parties. He was the life and soul. I know some Christians, you would never invite them to a party because they would suck the life out of it. But Jesus was the life and soul of the party without compromise. 
He didn't just say, ah, right, guys, it's grand, keep on sinning. He said, go and sin no more. But he still had such a joy and invited him to all the parties. That's, how, that's what I want to be like. I want his joy to be in me. So that his joy and my joy would be complete. And we as Christians should be the most joyful people on earth. But for that to happen, we've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So today we're celebrating Dependence Day. Amen. And I'm going to pray a prayer just for that we would be helped by God to be totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. My Dependence Day was actually on the 22nd of February, 1981. I was a homeless alcoholic and I went to a Salvation Army Hall and I knelt down at the front and Jesus came into my life and he changed my life forever. And, and as, as somebody for me, I looked up at him and I knew him, he was a police officer, he had actually arrested me on a previous occasion. <laughs> and he said, last time we met, I was the arresting officer and you were the suspect. He said, but if you will pray this prayer with me, we will become brothers in Christ, joined together by the blood of Jesus. And he prayed with me. And you know what, as he prayed with me spiritually, I went, and the Holy Spirit came in. And that was in 1981 over 40 years ago and today I'm still 100% in dependency to the Holy Spirit Amen. Heavenly Father I just pray now for each person in every, in every zone of this building Lord I pray that our dependency would be on you and I pray Lord that we would never be led astray into some kind of spiritual apnea where our breathing stops and becomes irregular but I pray we would keep drawing in that inspiration of the Holy Spirit as we live life in communion with you. And may our lives be hallmarked by the Word of God, by, by prayer, by bearing fruit, by, by love, by joy. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for our Dependence Day. Happy Dependence Day, everybody.